All right, Peter. What is the most Minnesotan word you utter and it makes you cringe? Um, it's not a single word. It's more of a bridge word, and I'd prefer not to utter the sentence. Oh. Wow. What What do you mean? Give me some hints. Be Are you going to be able to bleep it out, Kayla? Ooh, wow. It's a swear Are word. Are you actually going to be able to bleep it out? Yeah, I'll bleep it out The for most you. Minnesotan thing I say is, oh, f***. With the aw. Oh. Oh. oh shit. Okay, got it. Okay, all right. So that's a that's a good answer. Uh, I like that. I don't I probably do say that, but don't realize I do. Anything, anytime I say no, I feel like I'm like uh having Dairy Queen in Bemidji when I say no. Is Dairy Queen a Minnesotan thing? No, I'm just saying, just like the most eating ice cream and being Minnesotan. Fishing. I'm ice fishing in Bemidji. That's what it would be. Whenever I say a long no. No. I'm like, that is the most Minnesotan thing I say, and it makes me cringe when I do it. You know what the litmus test is for if you sound Minnesotan or not? Mm. Uh, it's the sentence, going to the boat show at the Fargo Dome. Ooh. Try to get try to get through that one without sounding Ooh. like an extra I don't Fargo. want to. I, I was, just don't want to. I was going to say boat is my worst yeah. one. Yeah. Both. That's a bad one. But too. I also have been told that I have a horrible Minnesotan accent. You, I. That's why I thought of it because you've done a few of them already today, and I was like, and I, and I'm kind of you know chiding a little bit, but then I'm like, you know what? I'm just as bad, and Peter's just as bad. So I figured it'd be a good topic to break the ice a little bit here today. I so don't, I don't think that the accent is that prevalent in St. Paul. Though, oh, or Minneapolis. oh no way! No, no, oh. really. It is. No, trust me. No, it's not. It is. It's no, bad. It's, not. it's bad. Well, I'm ready for a fun show today of some girls high school hockey. Hell yeah. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Girls High School Her Ice podcast. Tonight's pod is sponsored by Jack's Cafe. Three generations of great food for any special occasion. The Red and Black League, the largest boys and girls high school league in Minnesota and Summit Orthopedics, 11 locations throughout the Twin Cities, and specialists ready to treat any sports injury. Now, here's Peter and Tony. Used to keep it cool, used to be a fool, all about the bouncing master. Watch it on the news, what you gonna do? I could hit refresh and forget. Used to keep it cool. Peter, you're typing feverishly over there. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to do a show and continue to type feverishly, or you want me to just carry it? Uh, if you could carry it for a second, I'm responding to our <laughs> guest who's looking for the Zoom link oh. that, uh, that she's supposed to get. Do you want me to give you a Zoom link? I would love for you to give me because you have Zoom. I, I don't do. actually have Zoom do. downloaded I on my laptop. That. Let me deliver some news, and then I will d- Zoom link this thing on the fly because I'm kind of a flyer that way. Yep. First bit of news, which is a great segue into who our guest is going to be today. It's Kristen Wright from USA Hockey. Um, nice get there, Peter. Thank uh, you. And timely guest because of what went down at uh, the U18 Worlds in Sweden. Shout out to the people in Sweden, by the way, for packing that barn for all those games for those kids. I, I love that look. Um, so 
USA takes third, first time ever. It's not finished first or second. Yep. Um, let's see some more news here. Um, Lauren Mars from Alexandria commits to Franklin Pierce. That's always exciting when we get a Division Oneer. Um, for for us to do that. Um, let's see here. Um, Haley Hansen. Haley Hansen. Three thousand saves. Did you go to the? Did you meet Haley Hansen when we I've interviewed met, her a couple I, years ago? I don't think she would remember, but I interviewed Haley Hansen when I believe she was an eighth grader. Eighth oh grader wow, freshman! I interviewed yeah, her, her a long time ago. sophomore year. Um, she got her three thousand save. I interviewed her sophomore year. I we decided maybe because of COVID or something, or it was hard to decide between five or six. I'm like, let's just go all the way and pick ten. And I think it was, we were early in the early-ish in our girls' high school player of the year stuff, and I'm like, hey, we got to have this Haley Hansen. She has won so many games that year single-handedly. Remember she had a couple 50-save shutouts, 50-save one-goal games. I'm like, we got to put her as a player of the year finalist. I met her. She had more personality than the other nine guests, other nine girls combined. Yep. And fun, funny, great attitude. She was with uh, Danny Bergen, and they had played a lot of youth hockey together. And Danny was just the opposite. Not that Danny doesn't have a good personality, because she does. I love Danny Bergen. She was so nervous to put a microphone <laughs> on and a camera on. And Haley Hansen could have went for like three hours. She was great. I loved yeah. her, and I'm excited for her and her future at Mankato. Um, what else do we got? You want the you want to go over the injury bugs while oh I get this gosh. thing? The the injury bugs, uh, several injuries. We saw the one. We'll start up north where apparently Warroad is going through a little bit of an injury bug stretch here. Shamernick and uh, Jaylee French are both apparently dealing with injuries. Yes, but that that happens this time of year. Everybody's sure bumps does. and bruises evolve into more serious injuries. It is January. And we're past the holidays. So it feels like from the stretch from uh, New Year's until playoff time, we're, we're in maintenance mode here physically. So the Warriors certainly not the only team dealing with injuries. Uh, Ellie Morrison for Blake is apparently back. And Maddie Brown for Andover is apparently back. back. Yes. So we'll see. Uh, I shouldn't say we'll see. After the debacle last, ooh, debacle, 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 debacle. I'm sure that'll trigger somebody who listens to this podcast. Uh, after the debacle last night, Andover, with the addition of Maddie Brown, should slide back into one of the top two slots. I agree. I agree. Um, okay. So we have, you have your Zoom link now. Um, in and, my email or text In message. your email. Oh, goody. And we have our top tens we're going to go through. We and do. My, top, hell my of a top ten just got destroyed last You had a night. hell of a time watching hockey last night and oh seeing uh, the results. And I don't know why you take it personally when we have a big, gigantic uh, upset or two. I'm going to um, tell you something right now. I don't take it personally. Well, yeah, yeah you tweeted about it. You were. I did because I thought it was today. funny. Yeah, uh, I don't really take it personally. Do you want me to pull the curtain back a little bit on doing the rankings? Yeah, well, I'd love to hear that. I don't particularly care. Oh, rankings. Peter. You rankings, the, the best description of rankings I've ever heard is uh, junk science designed to spark conversation and disagreement. And that was somebody talking about college football rankings. And I think it applies to everybody's rankings. Why does every Twitter handle that has anything to do with hockey in this state have their own 
rankings because people click on it and they like it and they retweet it and it sparks conversation and da 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 da. So yep. no, I do not have a personal stake in the rankings. Okay. Uh, the only th- rule I have for rankings is if I've done the rankings for like Squirt A's or Bantam Double A or whatever, and I have a tournament to do picks from, I make it a rule to stand by my picks as if it's the number one team and they're in that tournament, I'm picking them to win. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying I don't stand by what I think I did. I did get a text from somebody after ranking Gentry first overall, though. Really? I did. I got a, I got a you. text. Somebody, Good because, for I, you. I started it with, boy, howdy, the win over Andover is carrying Gentry right now. And uh, the person who texted me said, oh, it was a little bit of a chirp. And I explained, no, not really, because Gentry is in this weird nebulous where people will not play them. And yes. it's you and I have confirmed it with multiple people that there are schools that um, they'll say their schedule, their schedule is full, and then all of a sudden they add a different non-conference game. Right. So the knock against Gentry is the schedule, but that's out of Gentry's hands. For I the agree, most part. for the most part. They're getting some games. They, they get a couple, but the... The person who texted me called it the coalition of the willing when it comes to their schedule, which is why they play teams like Moose Lake and uh, Hastings. Well, I have a, I think I've had this take on the boys show a few times. I call it the country club, right? Um, and he, um, we, we, we call it the country club because there's certain teams that will play certain teams and there are certain teams that just, we won't play you. And I don't think Gentry's been invited to the country club yet. By the top teams. Try to tell me there's no country club in Vadness Heights. Mm, There's one a couple close. There's a a public course. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Good segue. So number one was Gentry. Number two was Edina. Both those teams lost last night. So there will be another. Edina at number two. I had Edina at two. Boy, you're really stretching there. I had Edina at two. What have you done for me lately? Well, they lost to. Yeah, they, they beat, just they did. Beat, but no, but they beat Minnetonka. Yep. You, how, you didn't put a discount you, on that. You victory? clearly don't read the rankings at all. I clearly don't. I, explained I just read that. the rankings. I explained that. I disagree I just, with okay, you. Okay, when when the players left, I decided I wasn't going to play the okay, who's there and who's not there. Just like I wouldn't okay. do it if it came down to injuries. Okay. If Minnetonka was missing five players due to injury, I wouldn't discount the win for Edina any more than I would when they were missing five players playing for Team USA. You okay. play who you play when you play them with the lineup they've got. Okay. And that was my philosophy going into it. Because how do you how do you weigh that? So Andover and Hill Murray were missing the exact same number of players, one each. Andover missing Kalen Mum, Hill Murray missing Ella Housie. Totally well, agree. And I think they're a horse apiece. It's one-to-one, but yeah. I don't think they're a horse apiece. I think Ella Housie means more to Hillmer's back end than Kalen Mum means to Andover's back end. Yep. So I did mention that Minnetonka was missing five players, but I also said that I wasn't going to play Tetris. All right, that's fine. With the rank based on who was around. Okay. So we dine it to Hillmurray at three. Uh, nobody wants to play the Pioneers right now. No. Minnetonka at four, Andover at five. Holy Family at six, Maple Grove at seven, and then Stillwater, Moorhead, and Benil. Way too fast. I know because we've got an interview in I know. like 15 minutes. Do you have Holy Family at six? Holy Family at six. And who's eight, nine, ten? Stillwater, Moorhead, Benil. Nobody dropped out of the bottom. Stillwater, Moorhead, I don't like that one at all. Moorhead won three straight games. I can't kick him out for beating who's on the schedule. Okay. All right. All right. And then Class A? 
Warroad at number one. Yeah. Simley at number two, because I like the overtime loss to Hill Murray. I do too. Proctor Hermantown at three. Yep. Holy Angels at four. Orono at five. Who did Holy Angels lose to? Holy Angels just they lost. They were two. Hold, please. They tie play. I don't know who they played. I, I remember seeing them. I, I'm My internet is going as fast as it can. I well, they did just beat Visitation 12 to nothing <laughs> last night. Whoa. Wow. Murderer's Row. Who else? Holy they? Angels lost to Benilden. So they dropped them from two to four? Two to yes. four? Okay. All right. The overtime loss to Hill Murray, who I think is a better team than Benilde, mm-hmm. pushes Simley up. And I think Proctor Hermantown might be better than Holy Angels. I think you're right. Okay, Proctor Hermantown proved that last night. Who do you got at five? Orno. Yep, I like that. You want to get in six through ten remains the exact same. The oh, okay. Mount West Tonka, South St. Paul, and Fergus Falls all won their games, and Fergus didn't play. Okay. And then number nine, Mankato East lost three to nothing to Owatonna, and Duluth Marshall beat Hibbing eleven to nothing. A win over Hibbing does not make me want to move them ahead of Mankato East. Even I if saw Mankato enough. East lost. I saw enough out of Mankato East against Apple Valley. I'm to leaving them at nine. Believe in them. I believe in them. Yes, I believe in them more than an eleven nothing win over Hibbing. Correct. I do too. Those are my rankings. They're they're like those. Can you bleep me again, Kayla? Is it possible to do another bleep? Too much swearing. Yeah, they'll be they'll be super up uh, next week. (laughs) The rankings will be. Yeah, that's they're going to be they're going to be wrangled. Rankings because uh, they're going to be already destroyed. out of the gate. You're already, and we'll get to some of those. You know, those, the, the those video, will be in our games of the past. The though. video clip of the St. Paul Civic Center being demoed. Those are my rankings. Wow! Wow! So dramatic! So dramatic! I've had my coffee. I love it. I love it. So, all right. So we're going to take this to an interview with USA Hockey's Kristen Wright, thanks to our sponsor of this. Um, of our rankings, rankings, Summit Orthopedics, summitorthopedics.com. Check them out. We now welcome on our guest, Kristen Wright from USA Hockey. She's the manager of the girls player development for all of USA Hockey and the general manager of the under 18 team that competes at the Women's World Championships. Kristen, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm super. Thank you so much for, number one, responding to my fairly vague email, and uh, number two, for joining us today. I'm sure you have a very busy schedule, so we appreciate you taking the time. We're going to start with a really fun question. Yeah, happy to be here. Good. Uh, it, It won't be about your past as a lawyer just yet, but looking at your resume and seeing everything that you're involved with, do you sleep? Yes, I love sleep. Actually, I, I try. I, my goal is eight hours a day, which people think is shocking, but I promise I do sleep. <laughs> well, if you look at everything you're involved with, you would imagine that you don't sleep very often. So that's nice. It's good that you're getting some rest. What do you What do you say we dive into our line of questioning? Well, I can't wait. I, we we have an attorney here. We have we someone do. who's involved in bull riding here. We we got a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> So let's start at the beginning. Uh, I know from a previous interview that you got started at a, a learn to skate event at your local rink. So where'd you grow up and where did you learn to skate, Kristen? Uh, I grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, actually in St. Paul on the east side. Uh, I, grew, I grew up skating at Aldrich Ice Arena. That's where I did learn to skate. That's where I did basic, you know, figure skating, all of that until 
Um, yeah, I think my dad was trying to trick me. He was a hockey player and I think he was like, oh, we'll put her in figure skating and then she'll want to play hockey because I told her to figure skate and he was right. I ended up wanting to play hockey and by that point we had moved to Woodbury and so I grew up playing on the outdoor rink in Woodbury before Bielenberg was even built. So, um, you know, and we had a pond in our backyard, so that didn't hurt either. Wow, look at the development path there. Brothers, sisters that played, or your only child? What was it? I have a brother. He's older. He tried hockey once, uh, but he was a state, like, state champion swimmer and runner and triathlete. So never played hockey outside of coming out to skate with me sometimes. So kind of a different story on that one, that normally an older brother with a younger sister, it's right. a shoe-in that we both play. But uh, my mom and my dad both played growing up in Minnesota. Right. Wow. So that makes you the golden child that you were the one who stuck with hockey, right? Uh, some days. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get from Woodbury? I, I believe you were, ended up in high school in Arizona. How did you, was it a, was a parent job or what, what made you move? Yeah, my my parents wanted to move to Arizona. Uh, my grandpa used to live down there, and, and so there was always a drive to get down there. And I wish I could say it was for a job, but I, I'm pretty sure it was for weather, uh, which I can't disagree with once we got to live down there to be able to go in the ice rink to cool off versus uh, be already <laughs> cold and going in an ice rink was actually really nice. So, so the hockey, down right, but the hockey yeah, dream ahead. didn't die then. No, it didn't. Um, I, I was a swimmer as well, but we lived like not even five minutes from the brand new ice den in Scottsdale in Arizona. And so it just been built and it was right there. So hockey continued because it was accessible. And I played through middle school and the beginning of high school in Arizona, which was, which was awesome because that was the community I built um, with friends and teams and all of that. Wow, that's that's great. What was what, women's hockey always seems to lag, you know, you know, fifty years behind the men's game of in terms of growth. What was it like playing women's hockey in Arizona, considering that men's hockey in Arizona really has just begun to get a foothold? Yeah, I mean, it was small. The community was small, but it was welcoming. So I was able to play both co-ed hockey there and girls. Uh, there were a lot of advocates for girls hockey that have helped it grow. Uh, so our coaches really fought for us to have ice time in a girls program, which they were just starting. And so we played against teams in New Mexico and California and Colorado. And, but we were on a team. I was 12 when I moved to Arizona and I was on a girls team that had, you know, girls up to 18 years old. So that was, I think the biggest challenge is there weren't as many girls teams as there are now in Arizona with Lindsay Fry and all the work she's doing with the coyotes. Like now there's girls teams in multiple ranks. They have, multiple girls teams at each age group. I'm always really jealous um, of that. Just, we didn't have that when I was growing up in Arizona. So, um, but it was there. Like we have, a lot of people don't know. There's a, quite a few rinks in the Phoenix Metro area. Like people are like, oh, oh, there must be one rink in Arizona. Like, no, we have a lot of rinks and <laughs> it's, it's a pretty popular place to go. So. And so how did you, when did the dream of playing college hockey kind of start to become a reality? I would say um, early high school, probably by my sophomore year, uh, the recruiting process was definitely different at that point, not as, not as early. So by my sophomore year, I started thinking about what I might want to do, like a swim or play hockey in college. And that's when I, I think I started bugging my parents about going away to prep school just because it wasn't, we did, again, the numbers weren't the same in Arizona. So that's how I, I 
finally got permission to go to Shattuck St. Mary's, which was great as an opportunity to really take that next step to play college hockey after high school. Did they tell you how far that was from St. Paul? No, I feel like I didn't know a lot of those things. <laughs> I'm joking. Like you said, we moved. To, you moved for the weather. I'm like, well, Shattuck is close to St. Paul. I'm just joking. Then yeah, he, well, and it was you know 45 minutes from Burnsville, where the nearest Chipotle was. That was probably the biggest. Oh no! Oh, my gosh. Back and forth for, yeah. Oh, Kristen, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> High school problems. Right. 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 You end up attending Connecticut College. You earned all NESCAC academic and sportsmanship honors. What goes into winning a sportsmanship award? I feel like there's uh, the Lady Bing in the NHL. That one's got some pretty you know, rigid guidelines or a rubric for awarding that. But a sportsmanship award in college, what goes into that? Yeah, they, they look at your leadership, your academics, and your hockey play all as a whole. Um, I think it probably helped. I didn't have a ton of penalties in college somehow. So I'm sure that's a piece of it, but that's, it's kind of that more well-rounded piece, which, you know, being a captain probably helped me um, be even in consideration for that. So really thankful that my coach thought of me in such high honors in that way to even nominate me. But um, that was the nice part about Connecticut college. It just was really the right fit for me. So I thought felt like I thrived there. Two of my smartest friends are Connecticut College uh, alums, and they're so much smarter than me. And it's very difficult. They remind me what a great school it is. How did you get on that path to go to a good school like Connecticut College? Um, well, I, I that's a great question. I don't know that anyone's ever asked it that way. <laughs> I, I knew I wanted to go to school at East. Yeah. I, I had... I had pretty good grades. I, you know, I was in honors classes and other things. And so I wanted to be challenged academically. And everyone kept saying that'll, you'll get that at an SCAC school. You'll get that at an SCAC school. And coming from the Midwest and from Arizona, I didn't actually know what they meant by a NESCAC school. <laughs> and so I learned about it. My headmaster at Shattuck actually was a NESCAC grad. And so he said, you need to be looking at these schools. And so I started to look at those schools and they ended up on my list. And when I visited, I felt that that small school coming from a small school like Shattuck was the right fit. And I always wanted to be out East. My dad went to college at UMass Amherst. And so there was always something there of like going out East to play college in hockey. That's pretty hockey cool. In college. That's really cool. Uh, according to our crack research staff, you had a, a summer associateship with professional bull riding. In 2010, what on earth were you doing with PBR? Yeah, that was a really fun summer. I, I interned with their legal department, and I was first year out of law, uh, law school, and so I really didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I learned a lot about sponsorships, about bull riding in general, because I knew nothing about it going into it. Um, and so I got to go down to Pueblo and learn all the different pieces. Did you ever get on a bull? I did not. Oh, no, not, no. not a real one. Damn. No. <laughs> I know. I really probably should have asked. I didn't even ask. I feel like our my general counsel would have been like, do you know the liability? And oh, yeah. Like, oh, oh, my gosh. In the wrong, wrong department. I'm in the wrong department to get on a bull. Got to go in the, <laughs> you know. Maybe the PR department lets right. you get on the bull for social media. Right. I cannot imagine dealing with the liability of professional bull riding. Yeah. 
we got some very interesting contracts to, to deal with that. Well, that probably a lot of the same injury stuff that the NFL and the NHL from concussions. And I mean, I can only imagine what the contracts would look like there. Yeah. And really just how they you know protect their athletes is a big piece of it. I think they were probably one of the first to be um, supportive of retired athletes because they knew their sport was so vigorous and um, physically impactful. So they had, they were, they were ahead of the curve there, which was really cool to see. And now watching all the other professional sports come in line with that, it's been pretty awesome as well. Interesting. You mentioned law school. You have your JD from Colorado Boulder. And I want to know how you get a JD while also being named the Collegiate Sport Club's Coach of the Year. What is your secret to multitasking here, Kristen? Uh, I always have said, uh, make sure you're doing what you love because then you can do more things. And so... Uh, being able to coach while I was in law school was actually my free time. That was where I got to um, step away from the books and be able to find some, you know, personal time and met some of the greatest people ever as coaches that I was able to coach with and the players that I still get to connect with today. It was, it was a really cool learning experience for me too, because I was right out of college when I started uh, coaching that, that group of college athletes. So um, really interesting, but that was absolutely just for me, finding the time to do the to the things that make me happy, which is probably why I ended up in a job full-time of hockey. <laughs> Describe to us the difference in the uh, the young woman that plays NCAA th- Division One or Division Three versus an ACHA player that you were coaching. I'd say there's not a ton of difference between the ACHA uh, division one and NCAA division three players. A lot of times it's what kind of school they want to go to. Um, but you know, from an NCAA division one standpoint, there's going to be that larger time commitment, both in and out of season. Uh, that's really going to be a lot of hours in the weight room, a lot of hours at the rink. Um, and of course in academics, but then when you're at the division three level, that time commitment's a little bit lower and then at the club level, slightly lower, but they still, we still practice three times a week had games every weekend, traveling to different tournaments. So, you know, it is the level of play that they're able to play at and then also the type of school because you're not going to end up at a Connecticut college um, if you want a large school that has engineering, right? You're going to end up at a a Boulder. You're going to end up at a Michigan. uh, You're going to end up, you know, maybe at an Arizona State because you want that environment for your college. Um, But if you want that smaller environment, you're going to end up at a Division III program as well. And so they overlap. The top of the ACHA overlaps with the bottom of the um, Division Three, and so on and so forth. So the athletes are still all competitive, which is the coolest part. It's just what level do they want to be at? Wow. So it, we've been through pretty much everything on your resume, except I do have to mention you're a USA Hockey Level 4 referee. Good on you. God bless you for taking on be, <laughs> being an official. So being a coach, a lawyer, an official, and a former player all of those things have kind of coalesced into this current role that you're in, which is the manager of girls player development for USA hockey. And what we really wanted to ask about being the general manager for the U18 women's world championship team. So in that same vein, uh, what does the selection process look like for team USA? Obviously the tournament's over, but if you could go back to that tryout camp at St. Cloud and kind of break down what goes into that, uh, that formula. Yeah, absolutely. So it, the trial process all begins at the local level. And so 
if you're in Minnesota, that begins at your section tryouts. Uh, and then that leads into the spring festival, into the final 54 international camp. And then every other district across the U.S. has their process for those girls to get from their state to their district to national camp. And at the national level, we send a national evaluator to all 12 district tryouts. So we have someone, we have a group of three or four people keeping it small so they can see multiple districts to help us make sure that those at-large spots and those open spots for the UH Student Select Camp are, you know, the best kids in the country. So kids come to St. Cloud in those 16, 17 birth years, and they, they can come to 16, 17 camp, or they get automatically invited to UH Student Select Camp. Uh, we leave some spots open at Select Camp because we know for a fact that we have 12 districts across the country. It's, it's an impossible task. I would be lying to you if I could tell you I could pick the top 76 girls without them being in the same building. And so we don't. We leave, you know, whatever number each year, 10 or so spots open. So those girls at 16, 17 camp have an opportunity to prove to us that they should have been invited to that camp. So they're competing against their peers there. And so the best kids from that camp move on to select camp. So select camp, we've got the top kids in the country. So four teams and we sit down in a room and, you know, we talk about the style of play we want to have as Americans. What do we need on this roster? How can we beat Canada? How can we beat Sweden? How can we beat Finland? And, you know, we really look at speed. We look at speed, skill, decision-making, uh, ability to have pucks off the wall, ability to make plays, ability to play defense. I think there's this misnomer in the U.S. that we want defense that can play offense. And yeah, one of those kids is nice on a roster, but at the end of the day, we need defense that play defense and centers that can play defense because we know that the offensive power of those other countries is strong. And so we want to make sure we have a well-rounded roster from top to bottom. And that's what we look at and consistency and stuff of that sort. I'd say it's probably one of our hardest tasks to sit in the room and narrow the 76 players down to 32 for August festival where we have the 32 kids compete to, to make that roster. And uh, just to complete the conversation, we select a U18 select team to go to Calgary or to play in the U.S. against Canada for a series roster, but that roster typically doesn't end up being the world championship roster. There's one or two kids that get swapped out um, because of their season play in the fall because we don't pick our roster till October, sometimes early November. So if kids really improve or show consistent play and how we want them to play from August to October, November, those kids end up taking a spot on a roster of a kid who may not have performed well on that series team. So really always trying to pick the best kids for a team, which sometimes misses what ends up happening is, you know, the best 23 players in the country might not be the best roster to beat another team. Right. So mm -hmm. Sometimes you need kids who can play certain roles on a roster. We can't have a bunch of kids who, you know, maybe are one type of player, right? You got to have a, a mix of what's going to be the best roster for that year. Right. It Obviously, it's a collaborative effort between the coaching staff and the administrative staff. I'm assuming everybody has a voice when you're in that room. I can see in my mind's eye, you know, 12 people sitting in a conference room at St. Cloud State. There's coffee everywhere. Um, it everybody's kind of tired of being there. It's been such a long process. Does it get heated during those sessions or is everybody pretty much on the same page? Uh, there's definitely long conversations about players, especially when you get down to the last handful of spots because people, 
there are people, players that people were like, no, that, that kid needs to be on the roster. And there's other people that say, no, this kid needs to be on the roster. And I'd say there's normally caffeine and pizza. It's a good, normally a good mix of what we have and probably Oreos. Uh, this staff and last year's staff specifically were fans of Oreos to help make decisions. Some snacks are always helpful, but yeah, th- it does get heated because it's, it's, it's hard. It's splitting hairs when it gets down to the last handful of kids. Like it's, it's not easy and you don't know, right? We don't get to play internationally uh, very much. And those kids don't get to play together at that level that much to be able to really see who can perform consistently through a full tournament um, is not, I don't want to call it a guessing game because we've done this a lot. We know what we're doing, but you could, I'm sure I, we swapped the last kid on the roster for the other kid that was next. Um, I don't know that it would, that kid would probably perform just as well. How, how When you're, what what are some of the characteristics when you're choosing those last five kids? Is it, is it, we need kids that are tough. We need kids that are tough minded, but I think it's gotta be pretty hard when you're, you're at this tryout camp and let's just say it's 72 hours or four days or five days or whatever they're there. It seems like everybody would be on their best behavior. So it's probably pretty hard to determine, you know, where the, the what, what egg will crack, you know, like out of those kids, right? How do you, how do you, is there something that you look for? What's that secret sauce that you're looking for that you maybe can, maybe gets that the right kid versus the wrong kid? I'm kind of asking yeah, for myself because so I, I do this stuff. I just too. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> yeah, we have them for seven, seven. days. Sorry, I'm sorry. I, I'm there like for, for two of the days. days. It only seems, it doesn't seem um, that long for me. Yeah, so we get them for a full week, and that helps. So we're able to see them in the weight room. We're able to see their energy on and off the ice. We're able to see them during team-building sessions. Uh, So we see who they are, right? You get to see how they act in their team environment. And absolutely, being a good character kid is on the list. Uh, We've got a – I just spent 18 days with that group in Sweden, right? There's time changes. There's lack of sleep. There's different food. You've got to be a team player. Everyone's going to have a bad day or a bad hour. Like we, we, we understand that, but you've got to be able to, to be a good character kid through all of that. So it, it does matter, right? It, it's a piece of the puzzle, but the on ice performance is a, is a part of it too. And so when you say, do you want a hard worker or do you want this or that? A lot of times it depends on what else is already on the roster. So if we have, you know, all these forwards already placed in and we're like, we need a fourth line center. Well, we need a kid that can win face-offs that can play center, right? We need someone in that role specifically. So if you have a kid who doesn't play center as the other kids you're considering between you're like, well, you aren't better than the other wingers that are already on the roster. And so we, that's at the end of the day, sometimes that's what makes or breaks it is that, you know, a kid who can play multiple positions well, has a much better chance of making a roster because you're, you only have four centers, right? You have more wings. Um, you only have X number of D and you don't want all your D to look the same or play the same either. So most of the time it does end up what's already placed in. So what are the high end kids already offer and who can play well with them? Is there pressure from above in USA hockey on women and women's hockey? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're fortunate that Pat Gallagher, our executive director, and John Van Beesbrook are uh, 
assistant executive director of international is they're both extremely supportive of women's hockey and have very high expectations for how we perform and not only perform on the international level, but how we perform when it comes to growing the game, increased visibility of women's hockey uh, leadership. And they're very supportive of the initiatives that we put forward, uh, whether it's our leadership summit that we just put on in Seattle, uh, whether it's when we look at our membership numbers, um, how are we doing? And we have a lot of pressure to keep growing because we, we should be right. Even Minnesota, we love that Minnesota keeps growing at the AU level for girls hockey. They're not stagnant yet and they won't be, I don't think for a while. And so not only do we have support, but we definitely have pressure. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll say, I'll be the first one to say it. Uh, winning a bronze medal is an honor and it's fantastic and don't want to diminish that because it's something other countries work extremely hard to do. But for us, the standard is winning gold, right? That's the expectation when we go into a tournament and we were, we were short on this one. So we were definitely disappointed that we weren't even in the gold medal game to have that opportunity. Uh, but Sweden, Sweden played extremely well in our semifinal game and had a very good team this year and home crowd advantage uh, definitely swung in their favor. Well, thank God you said it because now we don't have to ask about <laughs> winning the, the bronze medal. And I think you put it perfectly. There are some countries in this tournament that bronze is a great improvement. I mean, some of these teams that never get out of the prelims, but for Team USA, it is. It's pretty much gold or bust. And Tony asked about pressure, and I want to ask, is the pressure or the expectation impressed upon the players that not only are you playing hockey, you're also ambassadors for the game, and you're probably some of the best marketing tools that Team USA has. Is that discussed at all, or the players, um, is it let, do they let the players know that, hey, you're representing Team USA and you're, you're the next generation of great female players? Absolutely. We have a fantastic family of current women's national team players and alums that come and talk to them um, at each event. So starting at select camp, going to August Fest, and then of course for the tournament that, that talk to them. And they're probably the most unbelievable role models when it comes to that messaging of how important it is to, to wear the USA hockey logo with pride and that you're a representative of not only ice hockey, but of America in general, when you wear it. Right. When you're walking around Europe with a USA hockey jacket on, you're going to, people are going to assume that every American acts like you act. And so saying thank you, opening doors um, and all of that, but then being stewards for the game when you get home, how do you act in your local association? You're now a leader for the sport. How are you growing the game in your local rink, especially in Minnesota where we have grassroots hockey and, you know, connection to where you came from like going back and people want to see your bronze medal. Like they're going to want to see your bronze medal because it's so cool because you're still a kid that was able to make the best team at your age level. And there are a lot of girls in those birth years that weren't able to make those rosters. So they, they get the message a lot and we're really proud of our, the, the USA hockey women's hockey family, the, the international community that we've built um, to be able to put that message in and, I mean, even Megan Duggan came on to announce our captains and talk about how important it is to be part of the leadership of our team. And, and that's just something that's really special because she's pretty busy too, right? She wears a lot of hats. She's got two kids. She's working for an NHL team, but happy to come on and spend an hour talking to our, to our girls. I'm glad you brought up Megan Duggan and, and that crew, you know, some of those pioneers. 
Do you get the sense, you just said you spent 18 days with these young women, and do you get the sense that these girls um, will can see the, 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 the reality of playing hockey professionally and making a decent living at it versus maybe the generation or two behind them or older than them where they're still struggling, where we can all see it. I know you can see it. Peter and I can see it, that it's a reality now that this is going to be something happening. Do you think these girls that you were with for the last 18 days can see that or do they, is there still some mystery for them? I think they believe in it because it's there. Uh, whether they know what it really looks like right now, they absolutely see it and know it's there. So they know that there are people playing professionally, both in the U.S. and in other countries, and that um, the access is there and that they know that there's people pushing for it and what it's going to look like. But similar to me not knowing really how far Faribault was from St. Paul <laughs> at that age level, <laughs> I'm not sure they know all the intricacies. But as we always say, if you can see it, there is an absolute possibility that you can go be a professional women's hockey player because it's it's accessible, right? You have the white caps in Minnesota. Um, you have unbelievable collegiate hockey as well. And you have a lot of national team games that we play there as well. So they get to see a lot of, a, a lot of it. And we're very hopeful that women's professional hockey continues to grow behind the leadership that each of the leagues has right now. Um, and continues to develop into something that could be a full-time career at a, you know, at the level that you can get paid to do that as your only job. Right. Well, I, I've got one closer and I see I got you, one you've, ri you've written something down. I'm going to let you go first. Okay, Cause I, I think well, I already told uh, her, I already told her about the question. So I just got to get this in terms of, in chest. terms of closers, mine's Mariano Rivera. That's and fine. Yours is, you know, Eddie Guardado. Yeah. Mine is, mine's good. <laughs> and I, I just wanted to make sure that I'm asking this question for all the hockey uh, gurus in Minnesota, the people that are listening to our show, gurus. you know, who, who make the, you know, they only took, they, they only took nine Minnesotans. They should take 14. Or if there's someone in Michigan, they only took, why do they take so many Minnesotans? Or you, you talked about it. You actually mentioned Minnesota a little bit, that it's a kind of like the elephant in the room, right? There's so many good players and it's, we feed so many division one programs more than any other. And I don't want to make this about Minnesota. I want to make this about geography and you have the hardest job in, in the, on the young women's, I don't say that not fully, you know, like the 18 and under women's, that's a really hard job because there's not a lot of, uh, like versus like where you can look at college hockey and you can see, that these freshmen or sophomores or juniors are how they're performing against other division one players where high school, you don't really see what's unless it's at your camp, right? It's, it's a difficult job because there's a lot, there's a lot more unknowns walk through that selection process and how at some point when we talked about like the caffeine and the Oreos and the pizza at some point, what state the player is from has to become part of the equation. I know you're going to deny that, but I know that it comes up in the conversation at some point. So it comes up in the conversation. In I was right. How we get I was right. To camp and how we get kids to camp. Right? I'm there's joking. I'm joking. Yep. <laughs> there's allocations, right? Every, every district gets a certain number of spots at camp, but everybody gets a seat at the table. Uh, but at the end of the day, our there's, they're not looking at, oh, we can't add another Minnesota to this roster because we already have 10. Because the goal is a gold medal. And if, 
it takes 23 Minnesotans to get us a gold medal, then that's what it'll be. But it, it has never been that many. I would say we used to have a lot more masks and Minnesota kids is like split and then a handful of sprinkles from Michigan and other places. And now you'll see the roster is a lot more diverse, but not because we were saying, Oh, we have to have kids from all over the country on a national team roster. It's that's where the kids are coming from and that's where the development's happening. So yeah, that's, you know, I, that is not, I, I, I bet our coaches would laugh are going to laugh when they hear this. Cause they'll be like, Oh yeah, we don't even, sometimes we don't even look at that till after we have the roster together, but they know where the kids are from. But at the end of the day, it's how do they play and how is that program developing them and are they doing what's best? So yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Minnesotan at heart, but it's uh it's a tough sell. It's, it's pretty cool to see hockey being so good across the country, but we, we agree. We would love to. Yeah. We, we, we host a tournament. Actually, yeah. this one, we had this, a girl actually was in your camp from Louisiana. Yeah. It's just so Absolutely. exciting to see, you know, players mm -hmm. from these very non-traditional markets. We're excited for things like that. Peter, you want to close it out with your I, easy question? I, it's not an easy it's question. It's an easy question. I, I will say that if you put together a team of 23 Minnesotans, Kristen, and they win the gold medal. I will personally make my very first uh, charitable contribution to USA Hockey. And I will ride a bull. I will ride a, a real live bull if that happens. The, the money I send to Ronald McDonald House, no way. It's going to USA Hockey. Um, oh, I so love it. Your, uh, your personal Twitter bio includes the words learn, grow, and adapt. And I want to know, how does Team USA, from an organizational standpoint, uh, and from a hockey standpoint, purely, how do you learn, grow, and adapt after a third-place finish? Yeah, we've already started talking. It was probably like the first conversation I was pulled into after the, after the game was about where can we be better? And it's a question we try to ask every year, but I think when you end up with a bronze medal, you can it's taken a bit more seriously. They're like, hey, we, we need to make some changes. And I think what you'll end up seeing is there'll be a few more touch points for players at that age group where we can um, be working with them and their coaches. Cause we, we can only have so much of an impact on how much they learn and grow during the season, but their coaches at the end of the day are where that, that player learns to be consistent, be able to make decisions in tough situations and play the game. And so we're going to continue looking at our coach education uh, for our highest level coaches, both, um, within the USA hockey system and out of it. Cause we know we have coaches, kids that are coaching high school and coaching prep school and see what we can do there. But there's definitely, I've got a, a, a note on my cell phone already with about 10 ideas of where we're going, um, that I want to throw forward just to, to make sure we are continuing to get better. Cause we can't sit back. I absolutely know Finland, Sweden, and though Russia's not eligible for the tournament there, they were the third place team before. Um, so they're in that mix as well. So there's a lot of people gunning uh, to be number one at that U18 age group. Well, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. I was, <laughs> I'm, I was, she knocked out every question. Knocked it all out. Kristen Wright, USA Hockey. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for your time and uh, good luck with that notes app. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that was a fantastic interview. I had a great time uh, meeting Kristen Wright. Peter, what are your thoughts? She seems very polished. 
very polished so. individual. That was cool. That was a really good discussion. I'm glad that she free out of her own free will brought <laughs> brought up that uh, bronze wasn't good enough, and that Team USA, from an organizational standpoint, understands that. So yeah. instead of us having to say it, she said it for us. She did, which worked. Oh my gosh, She's which worked out really here. nice. I'm not gonna die. Oh I'm gosh. just trying to. I'm trying to get the last bit of phlegm out of my head. All right, that uh, sound about right. I liked her quick response when I asked if there's pressure on the women's side from USA Hockey. Yeah, she's like, yeah, there's pressure. We want to win, and winning is you know gold is the only thing we want. I, I like that, that answer. I also like the fact that you can say that and you don't have to go through the usual tropes of, well, it's about the experience and no. we want to make sure everybody gets playing time. No, 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 no. We're playing for no, 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 no. We're, we're playing to win. I agree. We're, we're playing for one medal. We're playing for gold here. Playing, playing time, <laughs> the experience. <laughs> I agree. I agree with that. Uh, well, thank you to our sponsor, Summit Orthopedic, for bringing us that great interview. I had a chance mm-hmm. to meet... Another doctor at Friday Night Ice uh, last Friday. Um, I just love it when these guys come there because they just kind of just, they, they can, for lack of a better term, they can skate circles around me and everything. Mm. This guy, Brent Warner, was a uh, all-American pole vaulter at Duke University. I don't meet people Whoa. that go to Duke very often, much less a pole vaulter who went to Duke. I mean, that's like a... That's homecoming king material right absolute, there. Yeah, that's an absolute uh, unicorn as far as I'm concerned. And that's kind of what the doctors there are like. Every one of them I meet are like, wow, you're smart. You're successful. You know exactly what you're doing in your field. And that's what you're going to get. You're going to get first-class doctors. You're get first-class Admin, you get a first-class experience when you have an injury or an ailment that needs some help. Check out summitorthopedics.com. Wow. So you walk in and you basically just see a bunch of unicorns. Pretty much. Dang. Yes. yes. Man, if only Voldemort had been there, he could have lived forever on yes. unicorns. Absolutely. <laughs> All K- right. Kayla's smiling. Yeah. She got guys, the Harry Potter I, um, joke. She could, got the Harry you Potter Harry joke. Harry Potter all day and I... I would never understand what you're talking about. I know. It's like a secret language. All right. Like what do we got? What's next here? We're, we're moving into a segment that I'm going to start doing every week. It's called Hidden Gems. All right. Now uh, these are players, These right? are players. I've I got, got some teams. I got some teams, too. I've got four players because it's the fourth segment of the show. I got three skaters and a goaltender. Right. And it's essentially goaltender. just- Goaltender. I could name a goaltender, Just to, to highlight- Players that might be playing on teams that are underperforming but are still, you know, you look at the the girls' hockey hub stat leaders, right? Yep. And then you do the fully expandable whatever, and you just start looking. You're like, wow, who is this? Wow, who is that? So we're going to highlight a couple of those players now. Okay. My first Peter, one. who is this? My first one is Jana Lesh. Oh, I know who she is. Jefferson. Jefferson. She's got like four hat tricks this year. Junior forward. She's currently 11th in the state in goals with 24. She's got over one third of her team's goals this season. The Jags are 9 and 11. Okay. I've got Maddie Halter from Fergus Falls. Mm-hmm. Not exactly hidden considering Fergus Falls is a top 10 team, but like Jana Les, she's responsible for a ton of her team's goals over half. Of the team's goal. She's got 22 
goals and 43 points this That's year. Amazing. Fergus Falls is 16, 4, and 1. Right. She's somebody I would keep an eye on near the end of the year where a, divi- a smaller Division One program might jump out. In the new ha, maybe? In the new ha. Or some Division Three program, local Division Three programs might take a look at her. All right. Uh, our next skater is Mika C-I-C-H-O-S-Z. I have no idea how to pronounce that, even though I know that there are a couple of them roaming around Albert Lee. Sophomore defender. If I asked you, Anthony, to tell me who's the highest scoring defender in the state. I would say Mika Shikosh. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't, don't know. I see that name and it just throws me for a but complete loop. If I hadn't told you that, you would say something like maybe an Ella Housie or maybe a Mackenzie Jones or maybe a Josie Hemp or an Ellie Kleppinger. No. No, it's Mika Chicho, Chicharones. Mika. <laughs> yeah, it's Mika, like Mika she, C. C. She's got C. 21 goals this season, seven goals what? in two games last year. Albert Lee is 11 and six. Well, Albert Lee will be on uh, mentioned later in the show. Yeah. And finally, our goaltender from River Lakes, Cadence Roski. She Ooh. was one of the dynamic duo last year. She and her sister, Kiana, who yep. is now off at Thank Minnesota you. State. I so- saw her dad at the Minnesota, Minnesota State game when I was there in October. Nice. So Cadence, the team is 5-10-1. So the stars have fallen off a little bit yep. from last year's performance. But she's faced the fifth most shots on goal this season. She has the ninth best save percentage in the state at 941 and the best of any goalie that's faced more than 431 shots. She has a 2-4-6 goals against average and a pair of shutouts. She's coming off a 20-save shutout of Buffalo last night. That's sophomore Cadence Roski. It seems like she's been there for like six years. The law firm of Roski and Roski has yeah. been the linchpins yes. for River Lakes for the past decade. Yep. I'm not going to argue that one. Your turn. You're done? Buddy. You're yeah, done, those were my buddy. four players. All right. I'm going to go with four teams. Um, these are teams that just might not want to play them come section play. All right. You ready? Uh, this is one, and I believe I gotta look them up. I believe they just are. Just tell me my, who it is. I'll do it. Northright County are they in Section Eight with Moorhead, or are they in Section Seven with um Andover? Andover and all the rest. They are in Section Five. They're in Section Five. With yep. That. Wow. It's like. Pin the tail on the donkey. They lost to Champlain Park Coon Rapids in last year's quarterfinal. Uh, yeah, it's a tough section, but they could they could do well. Northray County has one of the best goalies in the state, Jaden Weiser. Um, they've done quite well lately, even though they've won only one of their last six. They have definitely given teams a lot of trouble, and they're going to be my upset special later on in the show. Wow. Oatana, who I have all of their stats in front of me, um, just knocked off Mankato East. They've beaten they beat Northfield last Thursday. Talk about upset specials, right? Uh, five to four in overtime. They trounced Rosemount eight to nothing. So their last three wins are over quality opponents. Um I'm looking at Section 1AA, and Lakeville North doesn't exactly knock my socks off. Neither does Lakeville South. Farmington is a junior high team. 
Uh, they'll be good in a few years. Northfield has disappointed. Could Owatonna be the representative this year in one AA, Peter? Oh, man. I'd cut off my left pinky toe for it. Really? No, because it could happen even without me sacrificing a piece of my foot. So I'd, I think that would be really cool. Owatonna's had the same kind of group for a while now. And the knock on Owatonna has always been that they pile up points against inferior competition in the Big Nine Conference. Yep. But you look at some of these names that, like Ezra Oyen. Ezra Oyen has been on this team since sixth grade. Since water was wet. Right. I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, my next team is Wasika. Yeah. And they have a really gaudy record, like 10, 5, and 1. 10, Blue, five Jays. And Blue Jays. Yeah. Um, their record is good. I'd like to know what section they're in. Could they be in 1A or would they be in 3A? That would be an interesting find. But listen to this. They have now won one, two, three, four in a row, including wins over double A Rochester Mayo. Um, and they have won the only loss is to New Ulm, three to one since um December 28th. So what do you think of that? I think Wasika went 421 and one last, last season. Year. They've already doubled last year's win total. They lost to Austin in last year's section 1A semifinal. Yes, a really small section, right? Oh, here we go. Found them. One. They're in 1A this year, and they have Dodge County, who's very, very tough. Oh, right? that's. But now if you think about it, when no one has. You know, no world beater. Um, and then Albert Lee has done quite well. Hold up. So it's Austin, Dodge County, Wasika, and Winona. That's it. Oh, my gosh. One, two, three, four, five teams. So does Dodge County book their rooms at the Holiday Inn yeah, now? I, I think they can. Um, you've seen them play. Um, I wouldn't overlook Albert Lee, though. Now Verlee's got some good scores. We'll get to those guys. They might be one of my gems later. So oh, we'll they're in that go. section. Okay. Yep. Um, and then last but not least, uh, Prior Lake, you have a new uh, member of your fan club. I'm not sure if you have room in your fan club, but if you do have room for one more, that would be Peter Odney. Um, what? I tried six or seven times not to include Prior Lake in my hidden gems. And you basically hit me over the head with your couscous and said, hey, you got to put Prior Lake in there. They're 11-7-1. and one. They had six wins last year. And now they were one game away from doubling last year's win total. You say they're a hidden gem. I say they're in too hard of a section. Yeah, they could still be a hidden gem, though. Okay, all right. We unearthed that gem. Uh, you had four girls. I had four teams. Keep an eye on those eight bodies of hockey i would one last note on prior lake obviously i'm the biggest fan in this are, room of prior you are. uh four of those seven losses have been by two goals or less okay wow you're making a case yeah 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 case. i am all yeah, right I let, am. let's talk some games i want to talk games of the past and i will critique okay. your choices for games of the past which i always do okay um uh, starting with january 14th a day uh, that will live in infamy Oh, right it? up there with Pearl Harbor. Wait a second, fourteenth. Yeah, we had a show on that day. Yeah, so that doesn't count. What? Okay, fine. You that's fine. You want to talk about 
Saturday? That's yeah. Fine. Uh, Go ahead. Saturday, bloody Saturday. Edina over Minnetonka, three to nothing. Discount. 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 You should have played after everybody came back. Discount. Orono over Chaskachan, one to nothing. Mm, they should have scored more. 50 saves by the Chaskachan goaltender. Nice work. Hill Murray over Andover, two to one. Biggest surprise of the week. That's a big deal right there. Yep. North yep. Wright County over Blake. I'm glad you brought them up. They're my hidden gem. Yeah, it kind of sours that Blake went over Edina a little bit. A little bit, yes. Yeah. It does. Holy Family over Maple Grove. The result, not super surprising, but the score, surprising for me, 5-1. to one. Mm, That is surprising. Good job, Holy Family. Uh, Warroad over Laverne. <laughs> In Wapaton, North Dakota. Good for them for driving down Both. There, it's about four hours for each, I think. Oh, I thought they went all the way down. No. No, I, I didn't. We already discussed this. No. In a text string. No. Yep, we did. They I got a lot of text strings going on. They were <laughs> played in Wapaton, North Dakota, which right. I think if you did a map of it, you it's would halfway. see they're both about four hours away. All right, I need to make some revisions to my rankings then. Okay. Uh, Warroad over Laverne, 10 to nothing. Warroad is just kind of picking any team that could possibly make the Class A state tournament and removing all hope from the equation by laying a beat down. It's that year for Warroad. But we saw them play last week. Um, in and they did the same thing to Rozo, just toyed with them, toyed with them. Don't you think? The mind game, I'm sure they just toyed with Laverne, which was not, not well, on spent, the same level. They spent as the Rozo. entire third period in running time, they drove yeah. four hours to play for 40 minutes. <laughs> Pretty much true. Uh, much true. White Bear Lake over East Ridge, also I know on Saturday. Huh? You were a little higher on East. Ridge early in the year going into the game White Bear Lake was 5 and 13 and East Ridge was 11 and 6. Did White Bear win? They did 4 to 3. It's score. Uh January 16th. That's all I've got for the 14th. Okay. January 16th Moose Lake and Cloquet Esco Carlton tie 1 to 1. Moose Lake was 9 and 5 going into the game. Cloquet 3 10 and 3. Doesn't do anything ah. for you. Oh my gosh. What an elitist. All right, right, January 17th, Blake over Edina, one to nothing. That's the big that's a bigger shocker to me than the Hill Murray over Edina. I would agree. Hill Murray over Andover, sorry. I would agree, especially because Blake outshot Edina so horribly. Right. 36 to 11. No. It's just all that experience. It's been flipped. Well, oh, they did flip it, huh? I thought it, I thought Blake had the advantage in shots. Nope, thirty-six to eleven, Edina. So one goal on eleven shots. <laughs> Talk about efficiency. I've been to that Blake Edina game like the last four years. It's a little bit like watching Edina Green fifteen A and Edina White fifteen A. Yeah, going at it pretty much, pretty much. Uh, Simley over Apple Valley four to two, a win over a quality Double A program for the Spartans. They yep. keep chugging along. And Proctor, are you surprised said, by that score? Am I surprised by Simley over Apple Valley? Yeah. No. I'm not either. I think really. Simley's deeper. Ooh. I do. They might be. I do. Okay. Uh, Proctor Hermantown over Gentry Academy, 3-2 to two in overtime. That one is probably third most surprising of the week. That one is very, very interesting to me. It tells me that 
Gentry may have plateaued. Ooh, okay. Plateaued, huh? Well, they have. I mean, they don't get a lot of good games, right? We we talked we about, talked earlier, about that earlier, yeah. Right. So, how do you get better? You know, how do you get better? You got to get out there and play tough competition. And if you're not getting it at the rink during practice, you got to go find it someplace else. And they're not finding it, obviously. So, let's go, Gentry. Kick it in. Let's go. It's playoff time. <laughs> Well, we're getting there anyway. Uh, the overtime game winner was scored by Reese Heitzman on the power play. These teams combined for 13 penalties. Uh, what do we got? Holding, high-sticking, tripping, slashing, interference, body-checking, tripping, tripping, slashing, slashing, holding, hooking, interference, body-checking, body-checking. Holy smokes. That, that game must have taken forever. Oh, yeah. Five goals and 13 penalties. Uh, good job for them. Uh Carter, Sieben, our score did not finish that one. I, I was disappointed in that. I don't like it when we put out a f- upset alert and then we don't finish the score. Maybe he had something better to do. Yeah, well, how about finish the score? Maybe he had finals. No, it's January. Or, or his apartment was on fire. Okay, I'll give you that. If he had apartment on fire, <laughs> that would be a decent excuse. That's all I got. All right, let's talk about some games coming up. I have... Oh, you're not going to challenge me on any of these games? No, I didn't. Oh, good. I just, I'm going to do future. I did future. One, two, three, four, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten of them. I've got nine. Ooh. I know. We're a little closer than I'm comfortable with. I know. I know. All right, go ahead. January January uh, 19th. 19th. Tomorrow. Moorhead and Rose. I got that one. Section battle. Yeah, it's important. It's It's always important, especially with seating. Yeah, uh, Apple Valley and Metro South. I did not put that one. That is an emotional game right there. Yes. Apple Valley will be looking for a little revenge after losing yes. the Metro South. Correct. The Phoenix rose up from the ashes on that game. Proctor, Hermantown, and Edina. Oop, you missed one. I'm not done yet. Proctor, I, Hermantown, and Edina. I have that one. I was at that game last year. I, I believe that game is the one that got me in trouble with Proctor, Hermantown. As it should have. Hill, Murray, and Holy Family. I got that one. Because this, okay, this is what, thanks to Hill Marie's win over Andover, they get pushed to number three when talent-wise, I still think they might be more on par with a Holy Family. Right. That'll be a good game. So if Holy Family wins and they pick up a win over the number three team in the state, what does that do for Holy Family? I know, I know, man. Every week it's like Bay of Pigs for me. Not good. All right, last one. Are you done? That's all I got. You missed two. You missed two for tomorrow. Okay. You miss Grand Rapids, Greenway, and Bemidji. Nope. That'll be a decent game. Yep. Just kind of a northern Minnesota, you know, good two good teams. Uh, I think that's important score. And then uh, a section three? Three, is it? Um, you don't sound confident. I think it's 3A. Um, New Ulm and Laverne. Uh, yep, I did miss that one. Uh, I like Laverne in that. I mean, I like New Ulm in that game. Wow. Okay. Did so, we want to pick any of these games? No, we can if you want. I think they're all kind of got some pick em juice to it, that's for sure. You want like, to do all of these? Yeah, it's fine. Um, okay. I would say that uh, Moorhead over Rozo. All right. Kayla, are you ready? All right. I would take Moorhead over Rozo. Okay. I would take Bemidji over Grand Rapids Greenway. I'm going to take Grand Rapids Greenway over Bemidji. Okay. I would take Edina over Proctor Hermantown. I would also take Edina over Proctor. Really? Yep. Okay. Oof. 
All right. I would take Hill Murray, the hottest team in the state, over Holy Family. I'm going to take Holy Family. Okay. And then I would take New Ulm over Laverne. I'll take Laverne over New Ulm. Okay. These are all good. All right. Here's a good one uh, on Saturday. 21st. Uh, it's a very tricky game. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that Orno Benild game. I thought that was a tricky game. It turned out to be a tie. I could see this game being a tie as well. Orno versus Blake. I have that one. I could also see it being a tie, like a really disappointing one to one tie. Oh, I'm thinking like three to three. Um, uh, and they won't. T- they won't go to overtime. They will just uh, agree not to play overtime. No, they'll just pull out dads. A random dad W two form, and it'll be a it'll be a who has more money between the Orono dad and the uh, Blake dad. I think it's gonna be close. Wow. It'll be close. Wow, I thought that would be a good joke. That You're from funny. Bloomington, are you? So that's okay. like you have middle, a you have a pool in your backyard. Class. You got a pool in middle your backyard. Class. A middle class pool, yes. Don't you have a pool in your backyard? A middle class pool, yeah. yes. Right now, I'm scrapping for a privacy fence. All right, uh, I got one of those too. <laughs> I got one of those too, that which is required by law. Is a middle school wait middle class not middle school is a middle <laughs> class pool. What does it look like? It's like is it under is it in ground? It's in ground. Yeah, it's not middle class pool. Yeah, then. no, it's not. It's middle class pools are above ground. Gross, yeah. gross. Oh, dude, middle middle class pools are like the inflatable ones you yeah. get at Target. Yeah. No, middle class pool in ground twenty by. 40, deep end. You got to go by like upper middle class. If you're going to call yourself middle class. What planet are you on when you say a pool is middle class? I will just say this. I was at a house today uh, in in the 952 that was not a middle class pool. Let's put it that way. I just looked like, oh, well, I got like a middle class pool compared to this one with like boulders and hot tubs. And it was nice. Let's put it that way. Hey, man, you can make a hot tub pretty much anywhere. Right. Just pour boiling water into the back of a this pickup. Beautiful. It was a beautiful setting. Even in the winter, I could tell it was beautiful. So, all right. Orno Blake is done. Yeah. Uh, who'd you pick? Uh, give me Blake. I'm going to go Orno just to be different. Orano. Um, Warroad and Moorhead? Yeah. One of two meetings between these teams. I believe this is a reschedule. Okay. I'm going to go Warroad. I don't think they can be beat. Okay, I'm gonna I mean, tell you. I think that Warroad's in the top five in the state, and I think that Moorhead is barely in the top ten in the state. Oh, man. I want to pick Moorhead, so I'm going to take Moorhead. Okay. I then, like Moorhead's style against those forwards. This is probably the game of the week. This is If I had to pick one game to attend that I had, okay, you only get to go to one, this would be the one I would want to see. And I said this when I wrote this down. Mount Wastanka and Simley. Don't go looking in your phone. Well, no, we're I'm, not I'm going. Up. I'm trying to we're make. We're not sh- going. I'm trying to make sure that I didn't miss this one because I don't think I. What? How did you miss it? Did, did I? Am I wrong? Hold, please. Oh, he's looking. He's checking my work. I'm checking my work. Oh, okay. All right. Am I wrong? Oh yeah, I missed it. Yeah, this would be a good game. Oh, three o'clock on Saturday. That I'm would there. be the best. No, I'm we're there. broadcasting. You and I are both broadcasting. We already had that spectacular games. I'm not doing Saturday. the broadcast. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. All right, um, Mound Wastanka or Simley? Peter? Simley, Simley. I'm going Simley. As I'm well. riding the horse. Um, and then here's one I can kind of sucker you on next Tuesday: Duluth Marshall and Proctor Hermantown. 
Nah, I got Proctor Hermantown okay. all the way. Let's see one. if I can get you to bite on that one. I got two more games on the twenty first that you don't have. Oh, let's hear it. Uh, Blaine and Centennial Spring Lake Park. It's not a game. Well, it is a game. Well, it's, it's also a section a game. No, it's a section game. No, not impressed with that game. Uh, Woodbury and Eastridge. I saw that one. Didn't bite. Just did not. Shoot. I bit did not it. go after that worm. I did not go after that worm. Uh, the twenty fourth. I got one game on the twenty fourth. You got. Uh, I got Duluth. Marshall and Proctor Hermitown, you got a different one. I got a different one. Let's hear it. What is it? Mountain West Tonka and Holy Family. Yeah, I saw that one. I think that I think that um, Holy Family won't get fooled again. How's that? Mm, they were too close last time. Well, they came back and poured it on at the end and won. I got another game on here, Mankato East and Northfield. Would you do that as a pick Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably do that one. Would you pick Northfield? No, I'd pick Mankato East. Okay, I'll take Northfield. Mankato East. All right. And then do I have to pick this Mountain West Tonka Holy Family? Because I'll, I'll take Holy Family all day long. I will also take Holy Family, okay. but I think it's a good That's a lot of picks. That's one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eleven picks. You've never seen an 11 pack before? No, I haven't. Has Kayla counted up last week's? Yes. Let's hear it. You had, <clears throat> you had eight game wait no seven games to pick mm-hmm. last week and you both only got three right what it's pretty rough um it was a dina versus minnetonka peter picked a dina three zero <laughs> uh, <laughs> we remember now you she just announced we both have the same <laughs> number so laughing at me is... benilde versus holy angels you both picked benilde four to one uh, Hill Murray versus Andover. You both picked Andover and Hill Murray won. So, <laughs> <laughs> Maple Grove versus Holy Family. Tony won with Holy Family, 5-1. to one. Uh, <laughs> Centennial Spring Lake Park versus Rogers. Tony picked Centennial Spring Lake Park, 3-0. to zero. Uh, Apple Valley versus Simley. Peter won with Simley, 4-2. to two. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. <laughs> wow. Uh, Gentry versus Proctor Hermantown. You both lost picking Gentry, so you both only got three points. That's terrible. It's a pretty rough week. That's oh. a rough week. <laughs> you stink at this. It's rough when I don't beat you because you, like, try not to win. That's true. That's true. You <laughs> try not to win. So when I, the weeks I don't win, it's kind of embarrassing. I try to keep it spicy. You treat this like you're putting your entire reputation on the line. Yeah, it is public. It is a show. I do want to yeah. have a good reputation. Yeah. That'll do it, Owens. I God, I hope that so. That will wrap up <laughs> this. It's a long this, show. This boy, girls high school marathon. It's kind of like a dance-a-thon. Telethon. Used to keep it cool, used to be a fool, all about the bouncing master. Watch it on the news, what you gonna do? I could hit refreshing forget. Used to keep it cool.